Well, good morning. Morning, Alan. It's good to be back in Shiloh again. <clears throat> and uh, thank you again for the invitation. And as always, always enjoy the morning meeting in Shiloh. And I always enjoy our time around the Lord's table. And again, this morning has been no exception. Uh, lovely to be in the company of people like-minded, uh, people who love the Lord. And uh, <clears throat> I was just thinking this morning, I attended a funeral of a man. And part of the tribute, <clears throat> the man said concerning him, the man who took a funeral, he said to hear him give thanks at the Lord's table was the essence of sweetness and uh, sincerity with simplicity. And uh, I couldn't help but think, you know, when we gather at the Lord's table, to remember the Lord just with, just with sweetness and uh, sincerity and in simplicity. What a lovely thing it is. And this morning, I really thought that the Lord was in our midst this morning as we remembered him. So it's great to be back. I want to read Psalm 143 this morning. <clears throat> Psalm 143. Psalm that I was looking at again recently. Psalm 143, 12 verses. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Give ear to my supplications. In thy faithfulness answer me, and in thy righteousness. And enter not into judgment with thy servant, for in thy sight shall no man living be justified. For the enemy hath persecuted my soul. He hath smitten my life down to the ground. He hath made me to dwell in darkness as those that have been long dead. Psalm 143 verse 4 Therefore is my spirit overwhelmed within me. My heart within me is desolate. I remember the days of old I meditate on all thy works. I muse on the work of thy hands. I stretch forth my hands unto thee. My soul thirsteth after thee as a thirsty land. Selah. Hear me speedily, O Lord, my spirit faileth. Hide not thy face from me. Lest I be like those <clears throat> that go down into the pit. Cause me to hear thy loving kindness in the morning, for in thee do I trust. Cause me to know the way wherein I should walk, for I lift up my soul unto thee. Deliver me, O Lord, from mine enemies. I flee unto thee to hide me. Teach me to do thy will, for thou art my God. Thy spirit is good. Lead me into the land of uprightness. 
Quicken me, O Lord, for thy name's sake. For thy righteousness' sake, <clears throat> bring my soul out of trouble. And of thy mercy, cut off mine enemies. <clears throat> and destroy all them that afflict my soul. For I am thy servant. Amen. We pray the Lord will bless the reading of this psalm again this morning. This is a psalm of David, and it is a prayer, opening line tells us that, and it is a prayer that is made by one who just describes himself as a servant of the Lord, servant of God. Last line of the psalm tells us that, for I am my servant. So the opening verses, hear my prayer. It close, for I am thy servant. Just a simply a prayer <clears throat> by the servant of God. The psalm seems to be in two parts. Verses 1 to 6 finishes with the word selah, that rest or pause. And then verses 7 to 12. So it's a psalm of two parts, 1 to 6, six and 7 to 12, six verses in each. And it is a psalm of David, at what time in his life we cannot be sure. There's nothing in the psalm <clears throat> that would indicate what occasion it was. It's safe to say this. Verse 3 says, the enemy has persecuted my soul. So it would either then be Saul's persecution during those years when David was in exile <clears throat> and when he was hunted as a, hunted as a partridge as the scriptures describe so David was on the run or it could have been also maybe Absalom's rebellion against his father again when Absalom sought to slay his own father so David is praying it's an anxious time and verses 3 and 4 and 5 would describe <clears throat> the mind of David at this time. He's a needy servant and he's a persecuted soul. The enemy has persecuted my soul. <clears throat> His spirit is overwhelmed. His heart is desolate. His mind is disturbed. And he says, my life has been smitten down to the ground. We have been reminded in the earlier part of the meeting that the old enemy, we are exhorted to be sober and to be vigilant for your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. And indeed in Ephesians 6 we are exhorted to put on the whole armour of God that we might be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against principalities, 
against powers, against the rulers, but against, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and against powers and against the rulers of darkness of this world and against spiritual wickedness in high places. A commentator said, and I read this recently and I thought it was interesting, caught my attention, for dark days and for difficult weeks we ought to ponder this psalm. I couldn't help but think, my, there's a word for a morning meeting. Because you can be sure of this when you stand before an audience, regardless of what size it may be. You can be sure that there'll be someone in the congregation who will know of dark days or difficult weeks. And so I wonder this morning just where we all are this morning. Maybe there's someone here today, this morning. You're going through dark days. And you're finding the recent weeks, difficult weeks. Maybe months. Can I say this? It's good to see you this morning. If that's the case. There's such a tendency, I believe, amongst God's people. You don't see them. And when you hear and ask how they are, it's because of difficulties, dark days, those things that they're contending with. I make that effort to get out amongst God's people, to get out under the sound of God's word, and to get into the company again of God's people. And to, and if you can't sing, to let others sing and listen to those singing around you. For dark days, and for the difficult times, we ought to ponder this psalm. David begins with a confession of his sin. <clears throat> Give ear to my supplications, he said. He appeals, firstly, sorry, to the, to the righteousness of God. Give ear to my supplication, he says, verse 1. In thy faithfulness answer me, and in thy righteousness. He's appealing to the righteousness of God. Then he says, And enter not into judgment with thy servant, for in thy sight shall no man living be justified. He's appealing to the righteousness of God at the beginning of the psalm, and then again down in verse 11, For thy righteousness' sake, he says, bring my soul out of trouble. And that's how we pray, don't we? We pray in the name of another. We pray claiming and standing upon the righteousness of another. We pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. That new and living way that has opened unto us. Yes, we appeal to God. Not in any merit or worth of ourselves. No, no. No works of merit now I plead. Jesus takes for all my need. No righteousness in me is found except upon redemption ground. So this man is appealing and he's making his appeal founded upon the righteousness of God recognizing that in himself nothing good 
No good thing. Enter not into judgment with thy servant. For in thy sight shall no man living be justified. Verse 2. In the old book of Job 25, chapter 25, Bildad, one of those miserable comforters of Job, he also says this, how can a man be justified with God? That is, man within himself can't justify himself before God. David says, enter not into judgment because no man can stand before God. He says, for in thy sight shall no man be justified. Not within himself. He has to appeal to the grace and mercy of God founded upon the righteousness of God. And then we see in verse 3, we see his difficulty. We see this issue that has caused David such concern. The enemy has persecuted my soul. Spoke to a friend some years back who I hadn't seen for a while. And I asked him how he was doing. <clears throat> and instead of hearing as I expected to hear, doing all right, keep it well, all the rest of it, he made a very graphic answer, a very descriptive sort of an answer. He said, I said, how's things been with you? He said, I feel as though I'm down in the dirt and the devil has his heel on me. And he's taken great delight that every time I try to lift my head and seem to be lifting my head, he takes great delight in whacking me across the back of the head. I thought, my goodness. And he went on to say how that business-wise things had got very difficult because of new some new company had appeared on the scene and was was competition had been got greatly increased and just the business was getting more and more difficult seemingly. His mother wasn't well and his mother indeed had died uh, some time before that. And then uh, he went on to say that he had illness within himself and he had to go for he was going on under going tests in hospital turned out it was fairly serious and then as well as that being one of the office bearers of his church <clears throat> they had a minister that they had for many years had gone and a new man came in and was proving very very difficult and wanted to change this and that and the other. And it's what, what great concern. So there was financial concern, and emotional concern, and physical concern, and then indeed spiritual concern as a leader of his church. And as, as he put it to me, just one thing after another. And he says, I feel as though the devil has his heel on me. It's taking great delight and crushing me into the dirt. I thought sure he'd been reading this psalm. He wasn't familiar with it. I pointed it out to him. Three and four of this psalm. The enemy has persecuted my soul. That's just what you're saying. 
smitten my life down to the ground. Fancy you saying you feel you're down and can't get back up again and the devil has his heel on you. He has smitten my life down to the ground. He has made me to dwell in darkness as those that have been long dead. Therefore is my spirit overwhelmed within me and my heart within me is desolate. It would seem the experience for David is that it's one of those cave experiences. Where he's on the run and he's hiding and he's hiding in the cave. Maybe he has spent some time in a cave, has to. The enemy has persecuted his soul. He's made him to dwell in darkness. As those that have belonged here. He's been in this cave so long it's as though he's in a grave. The spirit's overwhelmed. And the heart within me is desolate. I wonder, have you known experiences like that in your lifetime? <clears throat> You're just lying. David seems to be lying in this cave. It's just as though he's lying in a grave. Like he's a corpse, just discouraged and devastated and depressed. Psalm 88, with similar words. Let thy prayer come before thee. Incline thine ear unto my cry, for my soul is full of troubles. And my life draweth nigh unto the grave. I am counted with them that go down into the pit. I am a man, I am as a man that has no strength, free among the dead, like the slain that lie in the grave, whom thou rememberest, rememberest no more, and they are cut off from my hand. I wonder, do you know that this morning? I wonder, have you felt times like that this morning? Where you just <coughs> seem to be physically, just physically crushed. And, and uh, maybe mentally tired and disturbed. Maybe you're emotionally, maybe you just feel empty and drained. Virtually, maybe it can lead those situations and concerns and, and experiences like that could lead you to be spiritually downcast and depressed. Well, what about eternally? Ah, but eternally never. Amen. Oh yes, we can face trials and difficulties of life, physical and emotional, mental and spiritual, Ah, but not eternal. Eternally never. You see, <clears throat> when the old devil came to Job, came to the Lord concerning Job, and, 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 and the Lord says to the devil, Hast thou considered my servant Job? There's, there's none like him in all the earth. Perfect and an upright man. One that feareth God and eschewth evil. The devil says, I would sure you put a hedge about him. The devil sort of says, let me at him and we'll see what he's like. And the Lord says, yes, go ahead. 
the devil comes at him and takes so much from Job and and Job says the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away blessed be the name of the Lord so the call goes out again well what do you think of Job none like him in all the earth perfect and an upright man one that feareth God escheweth evil the devil says but let me at him him himself See, the, the Lord had said, but Job, you're not to touch his life. So then he's inflicted with boils from the top of the head to the sole of his foot. And he's sitting miserable in ashes. And his wife is saying, why don't you just curse God and die? Job says, you speak as one of the foolish women. And in all this, Job said not. You see, physically, yes, emotionally, yes, mental and spiritual, and oh, in, in so many ways. But eternally secure. Come what may or what must. Not as life. So here we have, David, this graphic description. Verse 5, it says, I remember the days of old. I meditate on all thy works, I muse on the works of thy hands. Some seem to think, <clears throat> would say that remembering the days of old is maybe in keeping with when you get down and you're not what you used to be and you feel under attack and your illness or something is, is there and you're sitting thinking about the good old days. You remember the days of old. And it doesn't help the situation at all. You're thinking back to how it used to be. And it only adds to the problem. But then others say, I remember the days of old. Others suggest that this is David on his way back. I remember the days of old. I meditate on all thy works. I'm using the work of thy hand. I remember the days of old, maybe as a shepherd boy, facing Goliath. Those days when he was anointed king, the king in waiting. Maybe he remembers back to those early patriarchs. Maybe he's thinking of Abraham and God's call of Abraham and Isaac. Maybe he's thinking of the pilgrimage of Jacob. Maybe he thinks of the life of Joseph. Maybe he remembers Moses and how that the children of Israel were brought out of Egypt. Maybe he thinks of Joshua and how God eh, leads them into Canaan and the conquest of Canaan. I remember the days of old. I meditate on thy works, the works of God. Maybe he works, meditates on, on God's so great creation. I muse on the work of my hands. I think there's something in that because this is the turning point in the psalm then. The next verse reads, I stretch forth my hands unto thee. In verse 6 we have the lifting up of hands. Verse 7, he lifts up his voice. 
Verse 8, at the end of verse 8, it says, I lift up my soul. For dark days and difficult weeks, when we ought to ponder this psalm, notice this. The answer lies in three lifts. The lifting up of hands, the lifting up of the voice, and the lifting up of the soul. The psalm turns on that. I stretch forth my hands unto thee. Verse 6. My soul thirsteth after thee. That's the end of the first part of the psalm. We see David's plight. We see his place. His position. We see his posture. The place where we find him. The condition that he's in. So much against him. But this psalm turns on verse 6. I stretch forth my hands unto thee. Here we have recovery. The greatest weapon in spiritual warfare is to see the man or woman of God lifting their gaze heavenward. I'm looking up. Amidst all the gloom that this man seems to be in, and all the difficulty and for which he seems to be contending, he says, I stretch forth my hands unto thee. The answers David sought are the same answers today. He begins with the words, Hear me. Hear me. He's looking, he's looking up and he's looking for the face of the Lord. Hear me. Number six talks about the Lord bless me and keep me. The Lord make his face to shine upon me and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. Lift up his hands. I stretch forth my hands unto thee. Then he says, Hear me speedily, O Lord, my spirit, my spirit faileth. Hide not thy face from me. He's longing for the face of God to shine upon him. That the Lord might cause his face to shine upon him and be gracious unto him. He says, Hide not thy face from me. Lest I be like those that go down to the pit. If God's not going to hear, he's just like all the rest that are going down to a lost eternity. God doesn't hear them. What's the difference? Like, lest I be like unto them that go down into the pit. In verse 8 he says, Cause me to hear thy loving kindness in the morning. What an answer that is. Cause me to hear thy loving kindness. I think that's a reference to God's word. Lovely to hear Brother Sam being able to record what he was reading this morning. To hear thy loving kindness in the morning is to turn to the word of God and hear the voice of God with your waking thoughts, eh? The hymn writer put it concerning Jacob that time at Bethel. When 
he got that dream of the ladder up to heaven. And the hymn writer put it, Then with my waking thoughts, bright with thy praise, out of my stony grief, Bethel I raise, so by my woes to be, nearer my God to thee. Nearer my God to thee, near to thee. That's this psalm, isn't it? All the woes of David here. But with the waking thoughts, eight, verse eight, cause me to hear my loving kindness in the morning, for in thee do I trust. Cause me to know the way wherein I should walk, for I lift up my soul unto thee. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet, and a light unto my path. Cause me to hear the word of God first thing in the morning and to seek direction from the word of God first thing in the morning. It's a lamp unto your feet. Ah, it'll be a light unto your path for the remainder of the day, won't it? Consider the fowls of the air. Cause me to hear thy loving kindness. I once heard um, Pastor Francis Dixon from Bournemouth Baptist Church in southern England. He talked one morning, he talked about wakening one morning and hearing a bird sing. And it sang the same melody over and over again, so clear in the early morning. And he said it was as though it was saying, I haven't a care in the world. I haven't a care in the world. I haven't a care in the world. That's the sound of the just that little lilt, I haven't a care in the world. And it was as though it was saying, just like the psalmist here, cause me to hear thy loving kindness in the morning. Yes, the bird you see. Matthew 6, consider the fowls of the air, they, they sow not. Neither do they reap, nor do they gather into their barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. That worrying cause me to hear thy loving kindness in the morning. To turn to God's word and hear his voice. For in thee do I trust. Cause me to know the way wherein I should walk. For I lift up my soul unto thee. For dark days and difficult weeks, ponder this psalm. And in all the difficulty and the crisis of life, verse 6, I stretch forth my hands unto thee. Verse 7, hear me speedily. Oh, he, he, just to hear the voice of God, he, he lifts up his hands and he lifts up his voice. In the end of verse 8, he says, cause me to know the way wherein I should walk. I lift up my soul. Deliver me, O Lord, from mine enemies. I flee unto thee to hide me. Who saith to the rock that's higher than I? My soul in its conflict and sorrow would fly. So sinful, so weary, thine mind would I be, thy blessed rock of ages. Hiding in thee, rock of ages cleft for me. Let me hide myself in thee. Deliver me, O Lord, from mine enemies. 
I flee unto thee, hide me. And then he says, teach me to do thy will, for thou art my God. Just to take each day in the will of God. Thy spirit is good, lead me into the land of uprightness. Quicken me, O Lord, for thy name's sake. Quicken me. We could all be doing with being quickened a little bit more, couldn't we? Ought to be spirit-filled. Quicken me for thy name's sake, for thy righteousness' sake. Bring my soul out of trouble. Ponder this psalm, because in this psalm we have the we have the means of the antidote to trouble and to concerns, whatever that may be. It's all in this psalm. If we only get our eyes on him, if we only raise our hands and, and eyes heavenward and our voices, lift up our voices and to get taken up with him. And psalmist says, for the end, he'll bring the soul out of trouble. And he says, of thy mercy, cut off mine enemies. And destroy all them that afflict my soul. For I am thy servant. Isn't that how it is, David? Fancy this man in the cave. In the dark. Listen to how he describes how he is. Well, this man goes on to take the throne. This man goes on to lead Israel. Yet he was once here. But what happened? He stretched forth his hands and he lifted up his gaze heavenward. And he lifted up his voice and he pleaded with God. <clears throat> he just poured out his soul and he says he lifted up his soul unto him. And the Lord delivered him and hid him and taught him and led him. I and quickened him. He cuts off the enemies. He destroys those that afflict the soul. He brings the soul out of trouble. How oft in the conflict, when pressed by the foe, I have fled to my refuge and breathed out my woe. How often, when trials like sea billows roll, have I hidden in thee, O thy rock of my soul. I trust this morning, should there be one here today, struggling, difficulties, one kind or another, you're just plodding on. Maybe others don't exactly know exactly just the depths of the problems you find yourself yourself in. Well, this psalm says, take it to the Lord. Take it to the Lord. Just lift your gaze heavenward. Above all the trouble. Stretch forth the hands unto him. Lift up your voice unto him. Yea, lift up the soul unto him and watch how the Lord can answer prayer and bring you through. May the Lord bless his word. Amen. We're going to sing in closing. <clears throat> I've, I've quoted a verse of it already. 3, 4, 5 in the Believer's Hymn book. 
3, 4, 5. <clears throat> o safe to the rock that is higher than I. Thy soul in its conflict and sorrows would fly. So sinful, so weary, thy nine would I be. My blessed rock of ages, I am hiding in the